Wow, stage fright. <laughs> it is so good to see everyone today. I can't tell you how good it is to see your mask instead of a camera. You know, I'm sure you're smiling behind there, and it's, uh, you know, what a challenging time it has been for us. This is perhaps the most challenging, without a doubt, in my ministry. And I just want to thank everyone, like Julie said, for hanging in there for all your prayers and just flexibility and your patience. This has been a, uh, a time that, as she was saying, we're all going to think back. Do you remember when? But I trust that you are doing well, you and your families. I want to ask you a question as we start today, and I want to ask, how many of you remember learning cursive writing? Oh, more hands going up than what I thought, right? Because cursive, I'm, I'm sure that probably half of you don't even know what I'm talking about. And, and the other half can't remember. <laughs> but I recall a time, believe it or not, they gave you this sheet of paper, had these lines on there. And I don't know, it was long about third or fourth grade. And you had to learn cursive writing and if you were just making the arches and the loops for the small caps you just went up about half way if you were making the arch for the m's or the n's or the loop for the e but if you were making a capital letter you went all the way to the top you remember that well thanks to the digital age the keyboard deleted cursive right out of our lives in fact they don't even teach it anymore but maybe you can still relate to this because I remember this process of learning cursive. And it was a great moment of victory whenever you began to slant your letters and those words. And this learning cursive writing was like a rite of passage. But today cursive is out. And the thought is somehow in this digital age of communication that it's just easier and more efficient to use a keyboard. But you know in your life that simply easier and having more efficiency in other areas of your life is not always better. Cursive was a skill that demonstrated maturing through practice. It was something you learned daily as you went in. You learned how to make the E's and then the N's and the M's and, and you persisted in this over a period of time and you practiced and you became better at it. And without the practice, there was no fulfillment. And you know, the culture loses cursive and nobody notices. I mean, it's keyboard time. Believe it or not, I had great penmanship back in those days. I can remember them saying, boy, you are one of the best writers in the class. But now no one can read my writing. I can't even read it. I'm out of practice. That's the reason I have titled this message today, Cursive Obedience. Because if you apply the same kind of mentality to your walk of faith, you're going to be out of touch with God. If you're not practicing what you preach and what you say you believe, you're going to be out of tune. If God is not residing in your life and you are not practicing and living out the faith, you're going to be in trouble. And that's why we're in this sermon series right now. We're calling it Known. 
Because at the end of the day, the ultimate question, if you get down to the end of the rainbow, it, it's really, you're just, do you know God who created this world? Do you have a relationship with God? And we're focused here at the church at knowing Jesus, helping to make sure everybody knows Jesus, and then we make Jesus known. Now, there's some words I want to challenge you with today in the words of Christ that we find in the Scripture. And it's in John 14. And it simply says here, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, then you're going to keep my commandments. And if a person loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And he will come to him and make our home with him. And he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. I want us to think about here for just a few moments this vital aspect of obedience in our life. We're going to come today to this moment of communion, and I want us to ponder this marvelous grace of God how God gave his life for us and how we are given this invitation to take up the cross and to follow Jesus daily in our lives. And let's think for just a moment about this phrase here that Jesus gives us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, what's wrong with the average believer today? I want to say it's, it's lack of obedience. What's wrong with the average church? It's filled with people who are not obedient. What's wrong with so many in the ranks of the clergy today that are falling today and it's, there's a lack of obedience. You know, the only part of the Bible you truly believe is the part you obey. And we don't hear much about obedience today and practicing the faith Martin Luther said, we're not saved by faith and works, but we are saved by a faith that works. And so many things today really hinge on our obedience. What seems like now, eons of time ago, but back when this all began, I was in Israel with some of you, many of us here in the church, and we went with Julie back to the Holy Land. And in preparation for that, I was doing a lot of study and I was looking at Bible atlases. I was turning to all kinds of things and re-familiarizing myself with the geography that I was soon going to be engaging. And I happened across this story about how they are training Arabian horses. And after all, that these horses and people are out in the desert in these very harsh conditions and just this arid, this, this, this difficult climate. And it was talking about how they train these horses in its rigorous training. Because you have to be able to rely on this animal when you're out in the desert like that. And the final test is almost beyond any kind of comprehension. And in fact, I think a lot of people would say, well, wait a minute, this is kind of torture to an animal. But in the last stage of the training, they deprive these horses of water for several days. And on the last day, they turn the horses loose. And of course, what do the horses do? But they begin to run and pace toward the water. 
But just before they get there, they blow their whistle, they sound their command, and have the horses to stop. And the horses that are completely obedient come pacing back to their trainer. And even though they're standing there, quivering, desiring to have water, it's those animals that are perfectly obedient that are allowed to continue on because these horses are going to be in a trackless desert in very difficult circumstances. Friends, does it not seem like today we're kind of in a, in a trackless desert? It's so difficult to find truth. It's so difficult to know what's right. Do we get a vaccine or not a vaccine? Do you wear a mask or you not wear a mask? And, and so many places, is, it, and it feels like this trackless desert. And I want to point you again toward true north, toward God's word. The Lord gave us this word, and he gave us these commandments for us to follow, to embrace and seek the Lord. Let me ask you today, what is the motivation for obedience? Jesus said, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. There's no other motive for keeping the word of God than the love for God. And as a matter of fact, Jesus makes it clear here down in verse 15 and, and very plain that if you love him, you will keep his commandments. Now, there are many reasons why we obey something, right? Some people obey out of fear. Well, I don't want a traffic ticket. I don't want to get in trouble with the IRS, so I'm going to comply to this, and I'm not going to break the law because I don't want to get in the slammer. Some people obey out of fear. Some people obey out of some type of reward. Well, I'm going to get something out of this, so I think I'll follow along. Well, that's not what Jesus here really gives to us here. He says, you love me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We're to love the Lord our God as you remember. Jesus said in the greatest commandment to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And in the Bible, the word soul is self, your entire self. And so Jesus says here that you're to give your entire life to the Lord. You're not to hold some closet in your life away from God or to keep some things in this nook and cranny and, God, you can't go in there. You can have this aspect of my life. You can have this part of my life, but you can't go in my closet because there's some things that I want to cling to. It's all of yourself. That's the soul. There's no part where we say, Lord, keep out. All of me is given to the Lord. I remember when I first started my ministry, I was in this church, and they had this uh, ministerial association, and it was ecumenical. All kinds of people from all different walks were participating in this, and the community, and I hadn't been there very long, and, and they said, you know what, we really need a revival. We need some type of renewal service. It'll draw all the churches together here in our community, and we're having so many problems and things going on, and and if we could just bring someone in that would just kind of get everybody fired up, that we could just get everybody on the same page and turn them back to the basics. And several of the pastors started talking about this one evangelist they would like to see come in and lead these renewal services. And somebody, after a couple of weeks of this kind of discussion, kind of protested, and they said, uh, well, does this person have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? 
And they said, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on this person. It was clear to all that this person had surrendered their life to God. And he loved the Lord. He loved God's word with all of his soul. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all of thy soul and with all of thy mind. It says, you can't have a full heart and an empty head. You know, it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's not only the heart and the soul, but it's also your strength. And not just your physical strength, but all aspects of your strength. Your emotional strength, your financial strength, your abilities, your talents. With all of your strength, with all that you are, you embrace the word of God and follow after Jesus and Jesus only. Now, have you ever wondered why God didn't just make us all kind of a puppet? I mean, certainly we've all, you know, in the Bible studies we have, in our small groups, we've kind of, you know, turned it over a few times and tilled the ground of why in the world we have, you know, free will. Why, why didn't God just design us that we were already kind of pre-programmed, that we were just going to follow along? I remember back at another time when people bought pet rocks. Maybe some of you remember that. And some of them used them for paperweight. Some of them were for door jams. Some people decorated and painted them. And well, the great thing about a pet rock is you could just set it there and it didn't do anything to you. It didn't have emotions. You could set it there in your room. You could ignore it or you didn't have to feed it. It never broke your heart. It never did anything to you. But you know what? Pet rocks didn't last very long, did it? The idea of this pet rock, I mean, there just isn't much to a pet rock. And you know, in the same way today, God could have just made us pet rocks where we couldn't do anything but obey and just kind of go when God said to go or stay when God says to stay. But God could get no response from us that way any more than you could get, you see, from a pet rock. And if you love here the Lord's commands and you embrace Jesus and Jesus is coming to your life and transform your life. The power of the Holy Spirit has come into your life. Love reaches down and just changes your heart and soul and your life. And it takes bold steps without any kind of self-interest. It can accomplish unbelievable things merely because it's so void of self-interest. I heard a story here, I think it was in our county, in fact, uh, maybe last year. And it's hard to keep track of time, but there was this uh, young teenage boy that went out. And I've heard stories like this before, I'm sure you have. And he heard a cry. This neighbor was yelling. And apparently this gentleman was underneath the car and the jack gave way and it fell on him. And they were like, help, help, get, you know. And this boy, he wasn't a power lifter. He, he, he wasn't some kind of guy that was really all balked up with weight lifting. He wasn't some big, strong football guy, but out of love, he went over and with his bare hands, he managed to just raise that car, two or three hundred, uh, you know, several thousand pounds, raise it up enough that the neighbors could wiggle the guy out of there and save his life. We, you know, today expect obedience in many places in life, my friends, but in our faith, we need that cursive type of obedience. And it's motivated by love. 
to follow faithfully our Lord. I, I remember uh, Francis Bacon, uh, father of you know this empiricism. He was the guy I understand is kind of the forerunner of the scientific method, and he had three goals in life. It said that he had this one goal. He wanted to uncover truth. All things, I want truth. Second was, I'm going to serve the country. But a third was, he was going to serve God. He was going to serve the church. And he said this, It's not what people eat, but what they digest that makes them strong. It's not what we gain, but it's what we save that makes us rich. It's not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learned. It's not what we preach or pray, but what we practice and believe that makes us Christian. I wonder today how it's going in your life of faith. Are you obedient and living out the life with Christ? I want you to watch one of our owns that I, I know that we all see running around our church serving God. And I want you to hear her story today and watch, watch this video about following the Lord and being obedient. Hi, my name is Kim Holland. My husband Fish and I have attended Faith for about 25 years, and I'm really excited to be here today to talk about how God and I became friends. My journey starts with 12 years of Catholic school, where I went to church every Sunday, and I thought I was a pretty decent person. I knew the stories in the Bible, I knew the characters in the Bible, and I recognized that Jesus had died for me. But honestly, that made me feel really bad, and that's what inspired me to try to be good. I tried to stay out of trouble. I helped with uh, volunteering and I helped with planning masses at school. And honestly, I believed in heaven and I believed I was checking my boxes regularly enough that I was gonna get there. That was my first 25 years of religion. It wasn't until my late 20s while on a renewal weekend that God grabbed my heart. He allowed me to hear the story of the prodigal son in a different way. I'd never thought about the older son squandering as much as the younger son had. The older son was living in the father's house, enjoying all the amenities that the father had. He had worked dutifully and expected reward in return. He felt like he deserved it and he didn't get it. He was just checking the boxes just as I had. He had full access to a relationship with his father and he chose to turn his back on it. After recognizing myself as the older son in the story, I was gripped with the vision of the father running toward the younger son when he decided to come home. That's how I felt. I felt the father running toward me, inviting me into relationship, inviting me into his holy kingdom. That was the invitation I needed. I began praying in a way that was more personal and more real. I was ravenous to get into the Bible the characters became people who wrestled with their relationships with God like I was doing. People that did what God asked even when they were scared or unsure of themselves. The people made me want to be a person after God's own heart. And I relished the idea of hearing God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. The prayer we often said on the renewal weekend began, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Today, as I stand in front of you, 
I truly want to be on fire for God. Looking back, I can see that I've moved from a heart of doing out of duty to a heart of being in a relationship, joyfully serving our Father. From this closeness with our Father, I can pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and think, holy cow, He has invited me to play a part of bringing His kingdom here to earth. To equip myself for this task, I continue to study more about the Holy Spirit. And I've learned that through the Holy Spirit, God has given me access to everything He has, every bit of power, every bit of authority. He is offering it all. The Holy Spirit resides in me. I know it and I feel it. Yet if I'm honest, I'm stalled in fear. This boldness that God is stirring in me is exciting but scary. I believe being asked here today has been part of what I needed, an accountability with my church family. God is showing me that it's time to move forward and to trust in the purpose He has for me. Because of my relationship with God and because of the activity of the Holy Spirit that I'm accessing, I'm feeling bolder, I'm feeling excited. I just want that for you. I want to see that for our church. And I welcome you to pray into that for yourself and for us as a community. Well, how about a church? The Lord stands there in that, uh, that position to receive you and to come into your life. And I wonder today if you would step out and be of those faithful disciples that God wants you to be. We're coming to this moment of communion today. And as we come to this moment, you know, communion is open to all those who earnestly desire to lead that life with Christ. Earnestly desire. And so I invite you now to join me in a moment of prayer and to confess your sin unto the Lord. And then also to join me in a moment of, of thanksgiving. So let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for this wonderful day when we can gather once more. And how fitting it is on this first Sunday, this first Sabbath back, that we can join together in Holy Communion. Oh, how... The scripture is so vivid as you gathered the disciples and you said, this is my body and likewise the cup. This is my blood. And often as you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, as we come to this moment today, we ponder your word, the commands that you've given to us. We think about this motivation for obedience, which is love for you. And as Kim talked about the prodigal son and, and coming back, that love that must have been there in that story that unfolded so long ago. Oh God, we know that you have love for each of us and that you stand ready to receive us. And Lord, as we are before you today, we do confess our sin unto you. We ask forgiveness for 
those places where we've turned a deaf ear, where we've gone in the wrong direction and we've been unfaithful to you. And we pray, God, for your peace and for your forgiveness. We ask for your blessing, your assurance to be granted to all today who come to you in that godly repentance. Lord, hear our praise today as well. We give you thanks for this bread and cup. And we pray your spirit would be poured forth upon this bread and cup that it truly might be for us your, your body and blood. Bless us here today in these moments as we share this together. And we, may we be the church together practicing faithfully what you have given to us to follow. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I trust at this point that you have one of the communion kits. And I would invite you to get that and join with me in communion. You know, again, the Lord took the bread and broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. And so take the bread at this time. Remember what God has done for you and eat in remembrance of him. And likewise, the Lord took the cup on that night and he gave it to the disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood shed for remission of sin. So I invite you now to take the cup and drink as Christ has commanded. Thanks be to God. And let me invite you to stand as we conclude our time together. Again, how good it is that we can gather here today. And I just wish each and every one of you God's blessing and peace upon this week and this journey of Lent. So let us pray as we, uh, as we conclude today. Almighty God, we thank you so very much for your son, Jesus Christ who came and died for each of us. And you said, whosoever shall believe in you shall have everlasting life. Lord, it's our desire today to follow after you. We pray for your peace that passes all understanding, as we often say. Remember those words that were written. Lord, help us to experience a day. As we move forward following you faithfully in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all and have a wonderful day.